We are in Acts chapter 5, and we're going to begin over at verse 12. If you saw the Facebook post we put up on there, we have some things to look at as far as being esteemed. I think all of us like the idea of being highly esteemed. Sometimes we think we've earned it. Sometimes we think we deserve it. Sometimes we wonder why it's not there, why it's there for other people. But here in the beginning of the section we take on here in verse 12, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Now, the first one that it covered, of course, was the raising of the lame lame man. And that caused quite a stir. And they, of course, uh, talked to the high priest and the folks that were there about the name of Jesus and that they were doing these things in the name of Jesus. And they didn't like that a whole lot. They threatened them, sent them on home. And and then we see that Peter was in the temple and God presented an offering that uh, he falsified and he fell dead. And uh, Peter gave those words before he fell dead. He fell dead. People took him out back, carried him, put him in the ground, came on back. His wife came in. She dropped dead too. And so uh, these kind of things had an effect upon the people, and they held them in high esteem. But they also did a lot of other miracles that are not recorded. That one particular one was with the lame man. But it says that through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Now, this is more than just Peter. This would be all, all the apostles, whether all 12 of them or a number of them. It doesn't say. It just says through the hands of the apostles. And we know that it's plural, so it's more than one. And they were with all, and, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of them, none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them, but the people esteemed them highly. Excuse me. I meditated on this thing for esteem, and I came up with three reasons that people esteem others from the Word of God. Now, we're not talking about people in the world. People in the world esteem others because they have money, because they have fame, because they have power, because they have influence, because they like their movies, because they like their jokes. They highly esteem them for all kinds of crazy reasons. But in the Word of God, we found three. The first one, and these are in descending order of importance. The first one is action. Or I put in parentheses for you, conduct. The reason that people were esteemed in the Word of God was because of their actions or their conduct. Jesus was esteemed by people around him because, uh, first off, he he behaved differently. And they saw the way that he conducted himself and they saw the way that he, he behaved. They saw the way he was when people asked him questions. They saw the way he was when people tried to trap him. And the way that he acted when... They uh, brought people to him, the compassion that he had. They looked at his conduct and looked at his conduct at all times. And because of his actions, because of his conduct, he was highly esteemed. Now, not by everybody, but he grew to be highly esteemed. The Pharisees didn't respect this aspect of Jesus, did they? And there were a number of other people beside them. They didn't respect the... uh, Just because you act godly doesn't mean that ungodly people will respect you. They may to a degree. You know, there's a, you hear about this all the time, but sometimes, you know, if, if you're a church going person or a person in ministry or something like that, and you get around a bunch of heathens and all, and they know where you are in your, in your walk with the Lord. And all of a sudden they let out a curse word or they take the Lord's name in vain or something like that. And then they, they, they look to you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like you're their big problem. Well, see, they, they, they have an esteem for you and they feel like their, their actions ought to be different. 
Of course, that esteem wouldn't be there if you were going around cussing like they did. If you were taking the Lord's name in vain like they were, then that esteem wouldn't be there. They'd just go on and they would uh, just go on about their way. Your, your children will come into an esteem with the parents because, if, if well, if mom and dad act the same way at home that they do when they're out, that they do when they're at church. If there's a difference in there, then that affects the children's esteem. And so we have to watch the, that. Number one thing we've got to do is our actions. Our conduct. Number two. This is second. This is under action. Action is the most important. Conduct, the things that you do to be highly esteemed in the kingdom of God, it's, what, it's how you act. It's the right, not the righteousness that you are declared. We're all declared righteous, but not all are esteemed. We're all declared to be righteous. We're all righteous in Jesus. We all have His righteousness. But there's a certain degree of, of righteousness that we act out on our own. And that's what people see. But the second one here is function. Function. What are you doing in the body of Christ? There are some people that are in the body of Christ and all right, their lives are changing, they're getting better and they're, they're, they're doing good, but they do nothing. They don't help anybody. They don't serve anybody. They do nothing. And that's not good. You're, you're not going to become highly esteemed if you do nothing. You've got to do something for the kingdom of God. We're not talking about doing stuff for the for a, a church or something. You just got to do something for the kingdom of God. People got to see that you are involved. When they see that, when they see that there is a function, then they certainly have high, highly esteemed. That Jesus was highly esteemed because of the way he acted, but then also because of what he did. He was healing the sick. He was teaching. He was setting free the captives. There was a function to him. The function was good. People will esteem us because of action and they will esteem us because of function. If there is no function and there is no corresponding action to the righteousness that were declared, why do we get mad at people if they don't esteem us? Well, you ought to think more highly of me than that. <laughs> and we, sometimes we just get to the place where we, were, we just want to demand it. But it says here that the people held them all in one accord. I want you to notice this, that the apostles did not ask for it. They didn't require it. They didn't demand it. And here's the third one. The first one's action. Second one is function. Third one is position. Esteem comes because of position. Jesus had a position as the Messiah. He had a position as a prophet. The uh, uh, Paul had an epistle, uh, had a position as a apostle for the to the Gentiles. The uh, Peter had a position. There was, there's positions that were there and there's esteem that comes with it. But here's the thing I want you to get. Few, well, we're, we're going we're to work on this just a little bit here, but few are able to give esteem to one for position when action is lacking. Understand that. Few are able to give esteem to one for position, for their position, when action or corresponding action is lacking. Sometimes people in the body of Christ or even outside the body of Christ, feel that because I am in this position, I deserve to have a certain amount of esteem. And they don't work to have a corresponding action. We can certainly see this in the area of political circles. We have people that are in political, have a political place of power. They feel like they should be esteemed because of their place. But when the person in those offices does not serve the people that they are supposed to be serving, then what happens? 
See, without, without action, especially if people in those positions begin to abuse that and, and act unbecomingly and not, act in ways that are not in accordance with the law because they feel now that they are above the law. You know, if you have a police officer and now I write tickets, I just write anybody's ticket and he goes, drives around the neighborhood like any crazy old person. He, like he ought to get a ticket. Well, people are not going to esteem him because of his position when his action and his function is not working. We've got to make sure that just because we have a position that we don't just step out and say, well, I need to, I'm a, I'm a police officer, I'm a senator, I'm a whatever it is, I'm a governor, and just because of my position, I should receive this. Now, we're going to see a time in the Bible when because of position, esteem was yielded. But I'll tell you this, few are able to give esteem to one for their position when action is lacking. Let's just we're going to go actually we're going to go into this now. Acts chapter twenty three verse one. Then Paul, looking, he's before the council. You know he's in trouble again. Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, "Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day." What's he talking about? Action. Action. His conduct. I have lived in good conscience before God until this day. He's saying before God, I've been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. My actions line up. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Now, we've talked about Ananias before, and he's a scoundrel. His actions do not line up with his position. He does not fear God. He does not serve God. He does not honor God. He does not care about God. He's just in a high priest position for God because he can get power that way. He's in league with robbers and just uh, coercion of of people and just the stuff that he was doing was, was horrendous. And the high priest, Ananias, commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. He doesn't even get up and do it. He says, you could strike him. Just hit him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, now he only said that because he didn't say anything against Ananias, but Ananias felt like no one can say that. He has no scripture on it. He has no accusation to bring to Paul. He has nothing to discount what Paul is saying. So he just says, I'll strike him. Nobody can be that good. And so Paul says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Go get him, Paul. For you sit to judge me according to the law, and you do, and, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? For you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? Well, hey, how's it contrary to the law? Is there, is there any witness? Is there anyone who brought up an accusation? Is there anyone who contends that the thing that Paul said was untrue? There's no one there. He just says, well, I can't be true. And he slaps him. Gets him, has him slapped. And those who stood by said, and they're saying this to Paul, do you re- revile God's high priest? Then Paul said, I think this is really descriptive. Then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was a high priest. <laughs> now, there can be a couple of reasons for that. First of all, Ananias was the high priest. He was removed because of his conduct. He was able to finagle putting his son-in-law in Caiaphas. And I think it was Caiaphas. Was, uh, put, put him in his place. And he still ran the, the high priest office through his son-in-law. And so there are times that the Bible actually called Ananias the high priest, even though he was not. And so Paul may be, it may be during this time, I'm not sure, I didn't check all that part of it out. It may be during the time when Ananias was actually removed from being high priest and he wasn't wearing the high priest robe. But he was functioning and acting as such. 
And so for some reason, Paul didn't recognize it because there's a, high, there's a robe the high priest should be wearing that should identify him, and Paul didn't see that. And so he didn't know, and he certainly didn't know by his conduct of, of that. And so what he says here is, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Now, here's the thing. We sometimes twist this and misunderstand it. What he is saying is he, he is not saying you cannot bring an evil accusation against a leader. What it says is you don't speak evil. Do you remember John the Baptist? Do you remember what he said about the king, King Herod? He reprimanded him a number of times because he decided to have his brother's wife. And he said, that's not right. That's, and king Herod didn't like it. He didn't like him uh, calling these things to be such. When David missed it, then the uh, prophet come in and call him on it. When the, the other kings of Israel missed it, weren't prophets sent and weren't they called on it? When people who were given assignments by God didn't do it and they were in high up positions, didn't God send prophets to them and say, no, Je- um, Jeroboam, when he start, veered off of the kingdom, a prophet was dispatched to him and he says, this is what's going to happen. This is your fate. Because you did this and because you did this and because you did this. Just because we're not supposed to speak evil of a leader does not mean we do not condemn the actions of a leader when they are against the Word of God. You certainly can stand up. It takes boldness and many people in the Word of God died because they stood up against the king, because they stood up against the high priest, because they stood up against someone in the, in the council or a Pharisee or whatever. They stood up against them and they said what they were doing was against the Word of God. When Jesus came into the temple and the high priest had set up all these tables to, for, for sellers and things like that in Jerusalem, what did He do? He, he took after them. When John the Baptist saw the Pharisees coming to the meeting, he said, <laughs> you bunch of snakes. Who told you to come on out here and, and get spared from this sort of stuff? He, uh, there have been, in the Word of God, there have been ver- some very strong words against leaders. Leaders in this country, leaders in the church, if they miss it, if they go off and they do not receive the correction that God has sent to them privately, then they will be corrected publicly. Because what they are doing is in a public area. And it's leading, the, most of the time, kings and things so forth, we're leading the public in a wrong direction. So that will go on. What he was saying here is, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law and do not command me to, to be struck contrary to the wall. Now somehow he feels in this that he uh, spoke evil, but he's not repenting of pinpointing the fault. Ananias is a bad, is a bad guy. This is not a guy who, who is just veering off from following after God. I don't know that he ever had a salvation experience to begin with. He just wanted to be powerful. And if you ever do some research and find out how bad this guy was, we're not just talking he just missed the mark by a little bit. He was bad, but he was the high priest. That certainly has an effect. So Paul yielded esteem for the position, even though the man who held it did not have actions or a function that merited it. Now that speaks to Paul. Not to Ananias. That's because of the character of Paul. And put in your outline, it is to the merit of the one who yields and a fault with the leader who lacks. 
The fault is with Ananias. The merit is with Paul. But Ananias doesn't see it that way. Put this in your outline too. Those who lead from the latter position, put in parentheses, those who lead from the third area, the latter one, without increasing the former two. If you lead people through position instead of through action and function. Now you tell me if you don't see this in the Word of God that this is what happens. Those who lead from the latter position without increasing the former two will abuse, mistreat, and generally dominate those they are to serve. How many times do we see it in the Word of God that people who lacked corresponding action for the righteousness they were, who lacked function in the call of God that they had, they led from position, well, I am the king, I am the high priest, I am whatever. Did they not succumb to abuse of the people, to mistreat, and to generally dominate? Remember Asa, King Asa? Good king. Word of God had a good, lots of good things to say about him. But after uh, some time into his life, he began to veer off. He got angry and bitter at something. And he began to veer off. And the Word of God expressly says that at that time, King Asa began to oppress some of the people. Because he was not leading from action. He was not leading from function. He was leading from, I am the king. And when you do that, you begin to fall into abuse. Uh, Jeroboam did the same thing. Solomon. Remember when Solomon was king? All that wisdom given to him. But he began to let the action and the function of his office, of his place, falter. And he began to fall into sin. And he began to multiply wives and multiply horses and went in the direction of, of not following after God and let some of the wives get him into idolatry and such things. And he went into a bad way. And it said that he became oppressive to the people. And Jeroboam was one of the ones who stood up and tried to bring things back around. That's why Jeroboam was called. When Jeroboam was called, he was actually a man after God's, own, uh, man after God's heart. And have he veered off as well. But that's what Solomon did. Whenever someone leads from position and they don't also bring along their action and their function to be increased, they become abusive. They will mistreat those that they're supposed to be serving. And they will generally dominate. They'll use their power in a dominating type of a way. You can think of present day examples and you can think of Bible examples and they have followed after this way. It doesn't matter if it's a president. doesn't matter if it's a senator. doesn't matter if it's a governor. doesn't matter if it's a mayor. doesn't matter if it's a pastor. doesn't matter if it's an apostle. doesn't matter if it's in the church or out of the church. You need, as a, as a leader, if you want to be esteemed by the, by the people and function the way that God calls you to, your number one thing is to look at your actions. Do my actions line up with what the Word of God has told me to do? Am I functioning according to the call of God? Am I serving the people? And then look at your position. Too often we get there on action and function and we try to maintain it on position. And you can't do that. You got to make sure you maintain those things. All the while when Jesus was here on earth, did he ever let down the action? Did he ever say, well, I've been good for a long time. I don't need to. Did he ever stop functioning in the function that he was called? Mm-mm. 
Did Jesus ever one time say, look, you all will respect me. I am the Son of God. He didn't say it, did he? When he was taking his disciples around and he says, if a place does not receive you, go in there and say, hey, look, we serve the Most High God. We are called to be apostles. You need to... Did he ever tell them to do that? What do you tell them to do? Go somewhere else. Go somewhere else because you need to find people that are going to look at the action and the function, not just the position. And then you've got to walk in that action and that function, not just in the position. He says, so if they don't, go on and find something. There's, all, there's going to be people out there who don't care about your action, don't care about your function. They also don't care about your position, <laughs> except they may want it. I am responsible for the first area. That's action and, con- and conduct. That's your responsibility. No one else can change that. Are you a person of your word? If someone comes to you in confidence and says, I need to speak to you in confidence, do you keep it in confidence or do you keep it in confidence except for three or four people? Is your mouth the same way at home as it is in church? These are the kind of things that we have to make sure we line up. That's my responsibility. Action and conduct, that's my responsibility. Now, the second one, God places me in the second function. He places me there. That's a calling. God will place me in that second one. I'm responsible for the first one. I have the Word of God. I need to line up with it. But God places me in the second one, the function. But it is on me to develop and to grow it. Just because God put me in there doesn't mean that, it, doesn't mean that that's all that there is. Paul was put, or Saul was put into the position of king, but he didn't develop it. He got off in the action. His actions were not lining up with what he was supposed to be doing. And he also got off in the function. Instead of functioning and using the army that he had to protect the people of God, he began to use the army as a way of taking revenge on those who were against them. So he got off in action, got off in function. And then he began to demand that people respect him because of his position. I am the king. And that's, that's a bad place to be. The third... The third area, position, can come from God. It can come from man or ambition. It can come from God, man, or ambition. Just because I have a position doesn't mean that God gave it to me. There are many people who have been brought into a position, but God didn't do it. There are certain kings that Israel had that God didn't anoint. God didn't put them in place. Remember the queen mother who uh, took over and uh, tried to wipe out all the king's sons and didn't get to one of them. And, so, and she, she, she took over the kingdom. Did God ever want that? No. no, God didn't want it. There were other people who killed the king and usurped the throne. God didn't call them. Just because a person has a position doesn't mean that God put them there. Man can put people in a position that God does not want them to be in. Ananias was in the high priest position. You think God put that person there? How do you get there? <laughs> People put him there. His ambition probably helped put him there. It wasn't God. The third can come from God, man, or ambition. Just because a person is in a position doesn't mean they, that God put them in that position. But I still need to, to speak about that position, especially certain positions. We need to speak about that position those positions in a certain way. and um, But, you know, you should still call things out as, as you need to. 
according to the Word of God. Not according to our feelings, but according to the Word of God. We can still call some, some things out. You know, we have people over there in the Senate right now that are all pointing fingers at everybody else and blaming everybody else for all the things that are going on. And um, I don't know if you've done any research on it. I'll tell you what, these folks that are in there, Harry Reid, head of the Senate, this is not a man who lives up, who has any character at all. And I would say that to his face. He has no character at all. He is sitting there blaming everybody else for not compromising, and the only one who hasn't compromised is Harry Reid. Harry Reid says, we want everything. And if you don't give us everything, we're not going to agree to it. Because on a number of times, the House has compromised on what they want. And they sent them something less than what the House wanted. And Harry Reid said, no, we don't want that. We want this. And that's all that there is to it. And that's wrong. Now, I know the, the news media is not going to bring any of that out. In fact, there's a couple of uh, bills that the House had sent over to the Senate, and they were not even talked about. They were not even brought out. That the, the House had done that. I don't know if you, this is one that I don't know if everybody knew about. The House actually sent over and said, all right, we will fund the Obamacare thing. Completely. We'll fund it. As long as you, the Senate, uh, the, the Senate will agree that the exchange, that, um, the members of Congress and their staff are subject to it and will pay for it themselves. They don't get a special exemption. I don't know, did you hear about that one? They had sent that one over and the Senate said no. So the House is trying to make them put their... You know, okay, you say this is good for the people, but you won't take it. And you say that most people should be able to afford it. And you folks that are making an average of one hundred dollars to $175,000 a year are saying you can't afford it. And you have to have, have help. So they said, pull that out. You're not going to get help anymore. Put yourself on the same footing as the rest of the people. And they say, no, we won't do it. Does that sound like a people that are going to compromise? Harry Reid is a scoundrel. He's in a position, and you speak reverently of the position, but of the man, he's a liar, he misrepresents the truth, he has his own ambition, his own wants, and his, his goals are not the good of this country. I look, to look forward to the day that he's removed from office and that he is removed from that place of being over the Senate. That's my personal feeling. You may have other different feelings, just make sure you base them on fact and not, uh, not other things. Uh, the, the House has sent over, I believe it was five different bills so far. And the, and the Senate rejected them all. Maybe even more than that. I may not be up on all of them. But this is, uh, it's, he's just one of those guys, when he, he opens his mouth, I just want to cover my ears. Because it is, it is not truth that's coming out of there. So I'm responsible for the first area. Get your conduct right. Get your function going on. Function in that area. And then, Third, make sure that if you get into a place, a position, make sure that God put you there, that you didn't put yourself there and that your own ambition didn't do it. I put you in your outline here. Those who inhabit positions apart from a calling and fulfilled timing tend to demand esteem. You ever seen people who like to demand esteem? <laughs> you know, we, we had the, the, the movies and the stuff, you know, the... the Dad comes out or the uh, whoever's in charge of the household, and you, you will respect me. <laughs> uh-huh. that, uh, that's, a, that's a house that's out of control. It, uh, that's, that's not what we need to be doing. There are some times that you need to, make, need to make a demand, I understand, but make sure that your conduct is there. Make sure that your function is there. Make sure that the kids know 
You're here to help me. You're here to try to help me on this. It's not just something, something bad. Those who inhabit positions apart from a calling and fulfilled timing. Remember, David was called to be king, but the timing wasn't fulfilled yet. Why? God's developing him. David, I'm, gonna, I'm calling you into this position, but I'm going to develop you. Joseph was called into a position of leadership, but he had to be developed. Paul was called into a place to be the apostle to the Gentiles, but he went away and got developed. Peter was called by Jesus, but Jesus spent some years with him getting him developed. Just because you have a calling doesn't mean that you're ready to step in. And sometimes people hear the calling and they immediately want to step in. No, you let God develop you. When Moses saw that he was called to be the deliverer of Israel, he went out there and tried to do it in his own might. But God had to develop him and get him to that place where he was ready. Most of the word we see the people were called, but they took time to be developed. And we have to be ready for that. Those who inhabit positions apart from a calling and fulfilled timing tend to demand esteem. It's not being yielded to them, so they tend to want to demand it. Yielding to these when character is lacking speaks solely to the character of the one who yields. There are times you need to yield because they're in a certain position. Because by yielding to that position, you are helping the body of Christ grow. You are helping, you're not bringing that descent in there and, and so forth. There are times when that's needed. There's also times when you need to stand up and call spades spades. Remember uh, Peter, good man of God, but he got off. And Paul saw that he got off. And what did Paul do? He didn't go around to all the people and talked about how bad Peter was. He rebuked Peter to his face in the presence of everyone because he was leading other people into the same problem. And so he needed to make it, make it done publicly. And Peter, to his credit, said, yeah, you know what? That's wrong. And he fixed it. Good for Peter. That's sometimes hard to do. But Peter did it. Peter fixed it. Paul ran into other people that he tried to, he saw them get off and he tried to help them in the same way and they didn't respond the same way and they didn't stick around with the things of God. I have verse 14. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Believers were increasingly added to the Lord. This esteem that they had for their apostles and the things that were being done because of their action and because of their function helped the body to grow. So they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches and at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. It's amazing how much Peter has just soared here. All he's got to do is walk on I don't have to lay hands on you. It's just my shadow. I don't know. How do you discover that? Must have just the shadow hit a few people and they said they got up and said, man, I was just a shadow. What? Let's, let's lay out a bunch of sick people and see if it helps all of them. Yeah. <laughs> and he just walked on by and, and did that. Now, don't go out there and think, you know, we ought to have some shadow meetings. Because that'll be a, that'll be a problem. You know, sometimes in the book, the book of Acts, we'll see this later on, uh, that prayer cloths were used. Yeah. But it was, just, it was done as an uh, uh, unusual miracle. It even spe- specifically says it was an unusual miracle that cloths taken... Were, were laid on the sick and, and you know, demons would go, people would be healed, stuff happened. But then we get into this thing now where it's just kind of a common place. Well, we just, everybody bring up your cloths, we'll just pray over them, send them on out. 
See, it's, that's not necessarily the way we ought to go. Where we leave off at? 15? Also, a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities. Plural. We have multitudes of people coming from cities. I think a city could generate a multitude of people. But we have cities generating multiple, uh, yeah, multitudes of people. And they're all coming to Jerusalem. Now, if you were the leaders of Jerusalem and you see people coming from the north, the south, the east, and the west pouring in, multitudes of people converging on your city. This could make you nervous. Why are these people all coming here like this? Bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. Oh, this must be great. Imagine being a leader in Jerusalem and here come all these multitudes of people bringing all these demon-possessed folks into, into your city. All these multitudes of people bringing people with leprosy, bringing people with contagious diseases into your city. How many can see a, a complaint arising? We don't like this. We're getting a whole lot of sick people coming into the city. We might get sick just by you know, being around some of these people. This, we don't like this. Verse 17. Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. So at this time, the high priest is of the Sadducees. Sometimes the high priest might be of the Pharisees, but this time he was a high priest of the Sadducees. Now, we've told you before, the Sadducees are the people who don't believe in the resurrection. That's why they are sad, sad you see. That's right. Always helped me to remember that. And they were filled with indignation. Now, that's never good. But Word of God never says be filled with indignation. Never says that. But here the leaders are. They're filled with indignation. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. It didn't say that they sent the guard, but they may have. But they were the ones that were responsible. So the high priest rose up and he imprisoned them briefly. Put them in the uh, in the prison. But that night, an angel of the Lord, didn't say the angel of the Lord, it said an angel of the Lord, opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. Now, the angel brings them out of the prison. They were put into prison. The angel brings them out of the prison and he says, go and hide. No. He doesn't say that. But he, oh. Go and teach in the temple. So they, they didn't go immediately. I guess at that point, no one's in the temple. Maybe the temple's even closed. But they go early in the morning. Probably as soon as the thing opened up, went early in the morning and went in there and began to teach. This is, these are not people in hiding. Why would you be in hiding if an angel came and took you out of prison, if they put you back in prison, what's probably going to happen again? Angel's probably going to come and take you back out of prison again. <laughs> so, imagine the face of these people. When they sent to the, we get, got everybody together. Alright, go into prison and get them. And they come and go to the prison to get them. <sighs> and they're gone. Verse 22, But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison... They've returned and reported. Now, there's no places to hide in the prison. You don't make prison with cubby holes, closets, and things like that. It's, it's just a square area, and you go in and you look, and they're not there. It's not like you've got to overturn a bunch of stuff, 
look behind trees or bushes or anything like that. That's just a prison. You go in, they're not there. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Can you imagine being one of those guards? You are standing outside the only door in. There's, there is no fire codes on these prisons. You don't have to have two exits. You've got one exit. One way in, one way out. Everything else is just block wall. So they, uh, they're standing there at the door. And they know we haven't moved. No one has come in. No one has come out. We have been here the whole time. The door is locked. Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and all the guards standing outside before the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. I would be wondering what happened. <laughs> That'd be my thought. What happened? I'd be wondering, what happened? No, they would, oh, what's going to happen now? If the people hear that all these miracles were done, if the people have already heard that a lame man was, was uh, raised up, who was lame for 30, 40 years, that they saw, and now we came into the group of the whole batch of people, they saw us take them out, they knew we put them in prison, and now they're going to find out that they got out with no one opening the doors, with guards outside, what will be the outcome of this? They thought they had a problem before because they were just healing people. Now they're escape artists. How could they get out of this? What would the outcome be? So no one came and told them saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Uh, now this has really got to mess you up. You put them in prison. They get out and there they are back in the temple, not even hiding from you. They want at least a little bit of fear here. They're not getting any fear. <laughs> they are right out there in the temple. We're here. They're not hiding anywhere. We're right here. Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went with the officers and brought them out with, without violence. For they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. So if they came in there with violence, they said, these people will stone us. They will not care. They, here's this word that they're teaching, and it's good stuff. They're enjoying that. They just got out of prison because an angel came. Uh, miracles are being done. People are laying in the streets, and a shadow passes over them, and they get healed. Multitudes of sick people are coming from other cities, and they're leaving healed. Demon-possessed people are coming from other cities, and they're leaving healed. Uh, Peter, would you please come with us? Peter could say, make me. <laughs> he didn't do it, though. He went along. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? I don't know. I'm thinking if I'm one of these guys, I'm thinking, you know, that they got out of prison, miracles, Things are being done. I begin to ask them, what's, up, what's about this name? They don't do that. We told you not to teach in this name. Yeah, that's the problem. We'll just keep on teaching this name. And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we, we ought to obey God rather than men. Can they argue with that? Normally, yes, they could, but they're supposed to be religious leaders. They're not. But they're supposed to be. 
there's, a, there's only so many things that you can get away with as a religious leader. And saying, no, you need to obey men instead of God. That, you won't get away with that. The people can see through that pretty clearly. That one they, they can get by. Hmm. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Just reiterating that. We went over that before. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. So Peter addresses the high priest with esteem, but does not gloss over the actions of these leaders. He won't gloss over it. He says, you guys killed him. You guys murdered him. He didn't deserve it. He was righteous. You guys are not. He calls them right out. When they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. You got to wonder the sense of these people. They put them in prison and an angel came and delivered them out of prison. If you try and kill them, what do you think an angel is going to do now? Do they not think that, you know, that if God is, is showing up for all these meetings, if God is showing up and these miracles are going on and God is showing up and pulling them out of prisons, that God would do something if they tried to kill them? Then one of the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. Teacher, the law, held in respect by all the people and commanded him to put in the apostles outside for a little while. Now apparently this one had some respect for the people, though the other ones, it doesn't mention that they did. So there was some quality to this guy. He had some action. He had some function. And we can see that because of the words that he speaks here. These are good words. He said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus, uh, I'm sorry, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be someone. He just claimed to be someone. He wasn't, apparently. A A number of men, about 400, joined him. And he was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census. And drew away many people after him. He also perished. And all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. And they agreed with him. Okay, they agreed with him, but the rest of their actions don't seem to correspond with that. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they called them in there and they beat them. For what? What did we do? Well, you escaped from prison. You put us in prison unlawfully. We did escape, but we didn't go anywhere. And you came and got us and we came with you. <laughs> they, they really don't have much to speak on in this thing. So they beat them. And commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. I'm pretty sure that they said the same kind of thing. Should we obey God or should we obey you? So they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. (laughs) They didn't, they didn't stop. They just kept on going. 
And these leaders just kept trying to find a way to oppress this, find a way to put this down. But these are the same leaders when they saw Jesus going about doing good and healing the people that were sick and releasing the, they, they plotted to kill him because he made them look bad. Not, they didn't, they weren't out to serve the people. They were out to serve themselves. And leaders that have gone awry like this will face coming judgment from God. Any kind of leadership position that we are in, we need to be careful. Our actions and our functions need to line up with our position. We need to understand that esteem, respect, comes first off because of what we do, how we conduct ourselves, our actions. Secondly, it comes because of what we function as, the, the good we are doing for other people. You need to have some kind of function. Every part of your body has a function. It's not just there to look pretty. It has a function. It does something. We all have a function in the body of Christ. We also need to act becomingly. We need to have actions that correspond with the righteousness that we are. And then we have a function. After that, we have a position. Never lead by position. Everyone who's done that in the Word of God has gotten into trouble. If you lead by a position, well, you need to do this because I am a apostle. I am a prophet. I am a whatever. It's not going to work out good. You're going to begin to follow the same path that many others in the Word of God did. You're going to become abusive, hurtful. Leaders who do this become abusive, hurtful to those who are supposed to be serving. They're not, they're not helping them out. And we need to, to do that. So we had Gamaliel's advice which is good advice. They should have listened to a whole lot more than they did. We all may desire to be esteemed by others, but are we willing to pay the price? Esteem comes with a price. It doesn't just come for free. It is not just granted because of where you were born, how you were born, what position you came into. Esteem comes because we have actions that line up with the Word of God. And not just actions that are part-time but actions that we keep full-time because we have a function and we are out there looking to do what our function is to help the body of Christ, to help those in the body of Christ. And then third, we have a position. Action, function, and position. We see that not only here in Acts chapter 5, but we see it all through the Bible. Anytime you're reading through the Bible, be thinking about these three things. When you see a leader get into trouble, did they miss it on the action and function? More than likely. They let their conduct get off the mark from what the Word of God was. There are times when Moses lost all respect, all esteem of the people. It had nothing to do with his actions. It had nothing to do with his function. All the time when the people, when he would wake up in the morning, he'd come out and all two to four million people are gathered outside his door, demanding his head. He didn't cuss at them. His actions stayed right along in line with what he was supposed to do. And he immediately would kick into the function. I am here to serve the people. He began to intercede for the people. He began to pray for the people, even though they're trying to kill him. And so for the most part, the people did hold him in high esteem. But there were still times they would rise up. It had nothing to do with Moses at all. It had to do with the people. Make sure people ever treat you poorly in the area of esteem. 
it is not because of what you have done. It's not because of how you act. It's not because of how you function. It's because of them. And it can be. But if people have lost esteem for you, the first thing you need to come back on, check out your action. Check out your function. Don't lead by position. If it's something you can correct, then fix it. If it's something that the people need to correct, then you just keep on going and, and function as you're supposed to function. And you don't worry about it. Be like Moses. Moses just go out there and he just function. I'm not going to worry about these two to four million people that are lined up outside my door trying to kill me right now. <laughs> we're just going to act and do what we're supposed to do. You know, it wasn't quite all of them. You always seem to have Aaron and Joshua and a few others. They always seem to be, uh, be there with them. But for the most part, the others be here today. And, you know, once he brought water out of a rock, oh, this good Moses, good Moses, like Moses. But other times he would come on down and they didn't like him so much. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We all, we all like to be esteemed, held in high regard by other people. But it's more on our part than it is on theirs. And if we do our part and the people that we're here to serve don't esteem us, sometimes it just is their part. But as much as is dependent on us to keep our actions and our function in line with the Word. Help us to see. Help us to hear when people try and come and tell us we're getting off on a thing. We can listen. And we can redirect our path. We can follow after people like Peter who made such great corrections when they needed to. Thank you, Father, for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.